The Baltimore Ravens take down the Atlanta Falcons in week 16, 17 to 9. We talk about how the offense performed, what the defense did, updated Ravens playoff scenarios, and more coming up next here on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher, Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for tuning in with us today, making us your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube. And we are less than 40 away at the time of this recording from 3,000 subscribers. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, follow along. In audio form as well, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, we are available anywhere you get your podcast. But the Ravens, they pick up a major, major win in Week 16, 17-9 over the Atlanta Falcons, a game that felt like they almost had to have, especially as they try to continue to keep pace with the Cincinnati Bengals and the whole AFC North situation, which we'll dive into more in the final segment. We'll talk about those playoff scenarios. Long story short, though, the Ravens clinch a playoff berth, so officially in to the playoffs for the Ravens. But we're going to recap this Atlanta game a little bit, talk about the offense, Tyler Huntley, the run game, some Greg Roman talk. Obviously, wouldn't be wouldn't be talking about the Ravens without Greg Roman and more there. Then in the second segment, we'll be diving into the defense, who had the ball moved up and down on him a little bit, but held the Falcons to just three field goals. And then those playoff situations and scenarios in the final segment and more about around the league, around the AFC and stuff. So, all right, diving into this Atlanta game. This is a, an offense that definitely struggled. They scored a touchdown in the red zone. They scored a touchdown not in the fourth quarter. Little Christmas miracles here. Speaking of, I hope everyone did have a Merry Christmas. We're recording here the day after, so Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody out there. I hope you were able to spend it with friends, family, and food and football, and hopefully Baltimore was able to make your day a little better there on Christmas Eve. And for the Ravens, it's a team that is a run-first offense, and I know there was a lot of criticism coming from everybody, myself included about how the Ravens handled the run game in week 15 against Cleveland. Week 16, it was better, still not perfect, but better. There was growth there. We'll talk about Greg Roman in a few minutes, but long story short with the ground game, because that was where the bread and butter came for the Ravens. 34 attempts, 184 yards. That's 5.4 yards per carry. Gad Gus Edwards leading the charge here. 11 carries, 99 yards. He averaged nine yards per carry. This is the second straight week. The Baltimore's had a rusher, rush for nine yards per carry on at least 10 carries. J.K. Dobbins, obviously, in week 15, had that 13 carry, 125-yard performance. That's 9.6 yards per carry. Then you have Gus Edwards going for nine on 11 carries for 99 yards. There are Dobbins in this one, 12 for 59. So 4.9 yards per carry. Not it, It's so funny because 4.9 yards per carry is, like, really, really good. Like, you know, you rush three times with that, five yards per carry, you get 15 yards every time. Pick up a first down, go score a touchdown. But with the way the Ravens have been running the ball this season, it's like, dang, 4.9. Like, sure it's not 6, sure it's not 7, but J.K. Dobbins still had a, a good game in this one, don't get me wrong. Then you have Tyler Huntley, 11 for 26. The Tyler Huntley situation, and offensively passing-wise for him, 9 for 17, 115 yards, one touchdown. Tyler Huntley, I still stand by. He is a fine backup for Lamar Jackson. 
He can come in. He, he, he can win you these grinded out games, especially with the way Baltimore's defense has been playing. But he's obviously not Lamar Jackson. And late in this game, and really, honestly, kind of throughout, we saw Greg Roman kind of try to get a little too cute with things in multiple different ways. But one of those was instead of handing the ball to Gus Edwards late, instead of handing the ball to J.K. Dobbins late, there were these like design runs for Tyler Huntley that were going practically nowhere. Tyler Huntley is not the same. He's not, not the same type of runner, I'll say. Not the same type of runner that Lamar Jackson is. Jackson is a lot more dynamic. He's just a better athlete overall. I'm not saying Huntley's not a good athlete. He's a really good one. But he just doesn't bring that dynamic element that Lamar brings. So those design runs don't have as high of a success rate. You know, you're not running out there with Lamar Jackson in those situations. I think with a Tyler Huntley, you can still run design runs. And especially, you know, I'm I'm probably not doing like first and 10 and, and some of these kind of bizarre, interesting situations that Greg Roman did. But I, I don't know. Those were a bit interesting to me. So that's one, I guess, small gripe with the play calling. Another one, though, was the fact that Baltimore was still passing late in this game when they were up by two scores. And it's funny because, hey, look, the Falcons, they ran the ball. Going back to you know what the Ravens did in Week 15, the Falcons in this game ran the ball down two scores early in the fourth quarter, something that the Ravens obviously did not do. But late in this one, you had the Ravens, you know, they were up. You know, 14 to 6, 17 to 6, turned into 17 to 9. But late in this game, you know, the fourth quarter, 6.39 to go. Gus Edwards runs for 14 yards at the Baltimore two yard line. Then he gets one yard. So you're in a second and nine right here. The clock is still running. You're at 5.18. And then you throw the ball in the second and nine, and the clock stops. And now you put yourself in a third and long situation. That to me is not necessarily smart football. I think that that late in the game, up 17 to 6. You should just try to run the clock out. We've seen Baltimore run the clock out so many times. And yeah, sure, you know, guess Edwards gets stuffed for one yard. I get it. But he ran for 14 yards, two plays prior to that. And you don't want to put yourself in a third and long. You know, get yourself into a third and six, a third and seven, maybe, if everything goes wrong. You know, maybe there's a loss and you go to third and 10, but the clock is still running at that point. Atlanta's still down by two scores. They're down 11. So it's just that situational awareness by Greg Roman. We've talked about the Greg Roman situational awareness before on this show where sometimes it, it it's lacking and there wasn't an egregious play clock thing this game. You know, the clock was running down a little bit sometimes, but they definitely, I feel like, cleaned that up a little bit more. But again, it's those types of things. The Tyler Huntley design runs late. The the passing late when you really the ground game has been working for you. You know, Baltimore averaged seven point one yards per carry against Cleveland in Week 15. Wasn't quite that against Atlanta. Atlanta's run defense is actually very good. So the fact that Baltimore is able to run pretty much up and down this team was pretty impressive, despite the fact that obviously they only got 17 points out of it. But regardless, Baltimore. If they're able to continue to get into a rhythm, hopefully when and if I know the situation with Lamar still flew, but when and if he comes back, Lamar's going to add something to it. So right now you got to grind out these wins. You just have to play to your strengths. I think Baltimore did do a much better job at that in week 16. I'm not saying they did terribly. I'm not saying Greg Roman, you know, abandoned the run again because he didn't, but I would just like to see late in the games, a little more situational awareness there where on that second and nine, you can run the ball. And then if you're in a third and six, if you're in a third and five, I understand, uh, the pass a lot more there because you can work play action off of it, especially the way the Baltimore is grounding and pounding that Atlanta defense. You can work play action. You can run out to the sideline. You can do 
work something in the middle of the field. He can do slants, whatever it may be. Then you can work in a pass play on third and five to see if you can pick up a first down to continue grinding out the clock. So, you know, I'm laying out the situations here. Obviously, I'm not an NFL offensive coordinator. I'm just I'm here trying to lighten the world with my football knowledge. But at the same time, you know, I feel like there there have been some situations where I've just kind of and a lot of people, right? A lot of people just kind of been like, huh, why is that the play call in this situation? And it's frustrating because it felt like the Ravens, even though they were up and even though they you would think they would have had control of the game for the majority of it there, and honestly they did, but regardless. Late in that game, it was still a game because Baltimore was not effectively trying to run the clock out. And obviously, y- your goal is not to run the clock out for the full 60 minutes. You want to score points. You want to move the ball. But Baltimore is moving the ball on the ground, and it gives you the added advantage of the clock still moving while you're picking up chunk plays and chunk plays. So maybe Atlanta stacks the box on second down, and they stuff you. But on third down, you can work in play action. and Guys will maybe bite on that play action. And so regardless, that's where I am with the whole late game situational play calling. But Baltimore pulls out the win on the final drive where the Ravens get the ball back with two minutes to go. Actually, they got it back with 157 because the kickoff, they returned it. And Falcons only had two timeouts. There was not another pass play. Gus Edwards got three yards and Gus Edwards got eight yards. So that's what I'm talking about. Run the football there. But wide receiver-wise, congratulations to the Ravens. They had a wide receiver score their first touchdown since week three. Demarcus Robinson had a six-yard score. Mark Andrews led the way three for 45. Sammy Watkins, welcome back. One for 40 for Sammy Watkins. Deshaun Jackson, one for 10. He had Josh Oliver, one for six. Justice Hill, one for four. Isaiah Likely, one for four as well. Team stat-wise, Baltimore ended up averaging 6.8 yards per pass, so much better than the 3.8 yards per pass mark there. Third down, they were 4 of 12. Like to see a little better, 33%. You know, maybe get that up to 50. I think that's where people feel comfortable. Red zone offense, atrocious for the Ravens again. One for four. The red zone percentage coming into this game was right around 28%. Obviously, 25% is one for four, so that is going down again. Baltimore's red zone offense is in absolute shambles right now. They cannot convert touchdowns at an efficient clip and an efficient rate. And they have to be better at that because in the playoffs, one for four in the red zone is going to lose you the game to teams that you're going to play, you know, no, no shade to Atlanta, but, and honestly, Atlanta was kind of still in the conversation for the NFC South that they fought and fought and fought and fought this year, but you're not facing Atlanta. You're not facing these teams every week where you can maybe get away with that stuff because of inexperience, you know, with it, with a young quarterback and Desmond Ritter, who I thought Ritter made some big time throws against the Ravens defense. So coming up in the second segment, we'll be diving in to the Falcons offense and what they're able to do against the Ravens defense and what the Ravens defense was able to do against that Falcons offense. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to dive into here on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is sponsored by prize picks. And I, I had a run in fantasy. That run appears to be over. I'm very sad, but, you know, life moves on. And I, I take a Ravens win over a fantasy win 10 times out of 10. But if you want a different twist on fantasy, be sure to check out Price Picks. Price Picks has a ton of current games and formats you can use. You can have a ton of current entries as well. And how it works is you pick two to five players, and if they will go score more or less in their Price Picks rejection, you can win up to 10 times the money in an entry. There's no competing against other people. So zero versus rejection available. Price picks offers rejections on any sport that you watch, including the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, of NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Is that easy? They have saving basket draws, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Price Picks app. Go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. 
First time users can receive 100 in deposit match up to $100 or promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget that the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We are back here, our second segment of Locked on Ravens here on Victory Monday. Kevin Allstriker still here with you after the Ravens week 16, 17 to 9 Christmas Eve win over the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the, the Falcons offense, credit to them. I mean, they, they, they hung tough for most of this game. The Falcons actually moved the ball up and down Baltimore's defense a little bit, but only three field goals to show for it. The Falcons actually ran 17 more plays than Baltimore did. They had 68 compared to Baltimore's 51, but were only able to muster right around 25, 30 more total yards than the Ravens. The Falcons averaged 4.8 yards per play compared to Baltimore's 5.9. But Desmond Ritter, he made some throws in this one. And Drake London made some catches. Those two, I think they, they have a lot of potential. Drake, Drake London is going to be a player in the NFL for years and years and years to come. So I was impressed with him. I was impressed with Ritter. Tyler Algier thought he had some nice runs in there too. But Baltimore's defense, again, they stifled the Falcons and they – Get some help from the refs as well, although that, that play with Desmond Ritter where his arm was hit and out of the pocket, intentional grounding, goes very both ways for a lot of people. I understand that. You know, the the hold on Brandon Stevens, that pretty much a game of the touchdown. In fact, it didn't negate a touchdown. That's something where the Ravens got some help. But, you know, with the way the Ravens have been officiated this year, I think they will take, they will take those calls 10 times out of 10. And, you know, the Ravens have been – really hurt by some calls and the Falcons got hurt by some calls in this one too. But, you know, at the same time, I think Baltimore, they did their job for the, for the most part on the defensive side of the ball. Roquan Smith led this team with 15 total tackles. He's just, he's incredible. He had a big tackle for loss as well. Patrick Queen was second on the team with nine. So PQRS coming in big for Baltimore, that inside linebacker duo, Marlon Humphrey, Justin Matibike, Chuck Clark each had seven themselves. Marlon Humphrey contributing just, you know, really good coverage. He, he did have a couple of plays where he got beat, but it, it happens. Patrick Queen had half a sack. And Justin Matibike had a sack. Brandon Stevens also had half a sack, contributing for Baltimore's two sacks on the day. Roderick Washington, Travis Jones, those guys stepped up in the absence of Clayus Campbell. Stevens stepped up in the absence of Marcus Peters. So they were down a couple of big-time players in their defense. They were able to... Weather the storm, I would say. Ritter finished 22 at 33, 218 yards. Tyler Algier, 18 for 74. Cordell Patterson didn't really get much going. He had eight for 17, but Algier looks like the future. They have they have three young studs there on Ritter, Algier, and London. So all, all taken in this in this past draft in 2022. So good for them. Hopefully they'll be able to, at least for their sake, continue to progress and, and be better. But for the Ravens, the defense, it, it has been the story for them for the majority of the season, the run defense, particularly, I mean, Baltimore holds the Falcons on 33 attempts to 3.5 yards per carry entering this game. The Falcons were the number four rush offense in the NFL. So huge credit, huge, huge, huge credit to Baltimore's defense for, again, I think making the Falcons one dimensional overall where there's some big runs. Yeah, sure. Tyler Algier had a 16 yarder. Avery Williams came in and had a 13 yarder, but for the most part, by proxy, Baltimore did make the Falcons offense pretty one-dimensional in the fact that they had to continue to push the ball down the field, take the run game out of the equation. And I mean, the Falcons kept with it. They kept running the ball because that's that's been the Falcons' bread and butter this year, so that they, they weren't going to go away from it early in the fourth quarter, even when they were down two scores, 17-6. to six. But Baltimore in this one, the defense – 
I'd say did step up, but there there is room for improvement in this one, the way that the ball was, you know, getting pushed down the field a little bit. And the Falcons got down into the red zone quite a bit in this one. Baltimore is one for four in the red zone. The Falcons were actually 0 for four in the red zone. So the Falcons got down there. There were some big plays, and the Falcons were able to string some chunks together, especially late in the first half and later in the game as well, where I've talked about the one the one thing or you know, there are a few, but the one big thing where I hone in on when I'm talking about Mike McDonald and this defense, what I want to see done a little better is end of half slash end of game defense where, you know, a team will be in a two minute drill. So two minute defense, pretty much being able to prevent those chunk plays from happening. The Falcons, they are, you could argue they could have had two touchdowns in their four red zone trips, but you know what? They only had none. They had none. They didn't even have one. So I think Baltimore's defense, it's it's been a huge kind of like, hey, we're going to drag the offense across the finish line because the offense, especially without Lamar, hasn't been contributing. So I'm not going to get on here and like be, oh, the, the Ravens gave up 3.5 yards per carry to the Falcons. They should only be giving up two yards per carry. Or, oh, Desmond Ritter averaged 6.6 yards per pass. You know, you should only be averaging four. You know, the Ravens' defense, they're allowed to have some big plays. Every defense gives them up, right? But – I think the pressure on the defense is a little bit higher now with the offense struggling in the red zone and not being able to put up points at a high clip right now. I mean, I remember the days where Baltimore's offense would you know, score 30, 40 points, and you know, you wouldn't really have to worry about the defense giving up maybe a, a 20-burger here or 24 there. You know, you'd be like, oh, the Ravens are safe because they have Lamar and they're going to score 30-plus a game. That's not the case right now. You know, that's not the case whatsoever. So for this defense in particular – I do think they have opportunities to improve and to get even better. But look, holding the holding the number four rush offense in the NFL to 3.5 yards per carry, they have a Pro Bowl offensive lineman on that line and Chris Lindstrom. It's an impressive feat nonetheless, especially with how consistent they have been doing that this season. So chunk plays, we've seen a couple missed tackles creep in here and there. It's not nearly as bad as what we saw in 2021. Absolutely not. I think that's something I never want to see again, obviously, from what we saw then. But they, they've creeped in here and there. So I'm not saying they're a perfect perfect defensive unit. They do have areas where, yeah, you can get better here, you can get better there. But I think overall, despite getting moved on a little bit throughout the game in this one, it's the bend-don't-break defense we've talked about. And, you know, even going back to Don Martindale's era where their whole thing was they would – Kind of give up a couple of things in front of you, just not the deep plays. They would try to not let anything go over the top. You will you can take the short and intermediate stuff. But once you get down into Baltimore territory, once you start pushing into the red zone area, it will tighten up and it's that bend, don't break defense where, again, if, if you're forcing a team to kick on every possession, a punt or a field goal, they're usually going to win the game. What happened? The Ravens forced the Falcons to kick on every possession. And the Ravens won the game 17 to nine. So shout out to Roquan Smith, shout out to Patrick Queen, you know, Mike McDonald in there too. We can't forget about him. And the Ravens pick up that 17 to nine win over the Falcons in week 16. But there was other NFL action happening around the league and a lot of it impacted the Ravens. So be sure to stay tuned for updated playoff scenarios, AFC North scenarios, and more for this team coming up next year on Lockdown Ravens. But first, I have a very important message. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As an evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you're living nearby. You can make a home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license or your job, you total your car, or 
kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. We return. It's our final segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. Baltimore wins 17-9 over Atlanta in Week 16, but the rest of the NFL had some stuff going on. More wild finishes throughout the week, both NFC-wise and AFC-wise. We had the Christmas Eve games, the Christmas Day games as well. Thursday night, obviously, Jacksonville takes the lead over Tennessee in the AFC South at the moment. So you have now what Baltimore is looking at. The Ravens, they have clinched the playoff spot. Now, there, there were a couple scenarios here where one of the Ravens' playoff scenarios included the Patriots losing, and it was really that. It was win, Patriots lost, and obviously the Jets, they also lost in Week 16 on Thursday night. So Baltimore gets in, but there were other implications in that game as their opponent was the Bengals, and if the Bengals lost, it would obviously pull them back into a tie or at least a tiebreaker with the Bengals, who the Ravens have that tiebreaker on at the moment due to head-to-head. So. Personally, probably would have liked to see the Ravens get the beneficiary of the or get the benefit of the Bengals losing. So I would rather see the Bengals lose as opposed to the Patriots lose. But Ravens are in and they clinch with two games to go, which you're never going to complain about, especially when you know 100% for sure. But now it comes down to seeding and where the Ravens can finish. So you're talking about division versus wild card. Who do you want to see? Who do you want to play? I mean, it's, you know, who wins the AFC South? The AFC South leader is locked in a number four right now. So if you're the three seed, obviously you're not playing the AFC South winner, but maybe you play Jacksonville slash Tennessee. Feels like maybe more that'd be Miami or that'd be the Chargers, or maybe it would be a Tennessee slash Jacksonville. Feels like the loser of the AFC North is probably going to be the five unless something crazy happens, but maybe they are the six and maybe you have a wild card round of Ravens and Bengals kind of flip-flopping who wins slash who loses the division. But it's pretty simple for the Ravens and Bengals in terms of division wins here. If everything goes the way of the Bengals, it would be the Ravens losing one of their final two games and the Bengals winning both. That would definitely secure them. But it comes down to week 18, especially if both teams win in week 17. Now Baltimore plays Pittsburgh at home. So they're going to have a home game against Pittsburgh divisional matchup, but for the Bengals, they actually play the bills at home. So Buffalo is a very talented team. Obviously when Baltimore lost too early in the season, but I think that if the bank, well, if the Bengals lose the bills game and the Ravens win the Steelers game, the Ravens would by proxy move back into first place in the AFC North with one game to go. And it still comes down to week 18 because then it's the same thing. If the Bengals beat the Ravens, the Bengals move ahead record-wise, and that's that. If the Ravens beat the Bengals, the Ravens win the tiebreaker, and they're ahead record-wise, so they're the three. So it feels like regardless, it is going to come down. The only way where it gets a little bit tricky is if both teams end up winning and then something else crazy happens where you have the division winner and then you're looking for seeding for the wild card. But all things point to regardless of what happens in week 17. I mean, if the Ravens win and the Bengals win, you're coming down to week 18. If the Ravens lose and the Bengals lose, you're coming down to week 18. If the Bengals lose and the Ravens win, you're still coming down to week 18. If it's a, it's reverse, it, everything points to week 18 being so huge for the Ravens. So you want to have momentum going into the game, obviously. You want to win. And plus, if the Ravens lose and the Bengals win, that's that's it. You know, there, there's no shot. 
even if. So that's like the one nightmare scenario where if the Bengals beat the Bills and the Ravens lose to the Steelers, the Bengals are two up in the win column with one game to go. You can't have that. Obviously, that would lock Baltimore into a wild card spot. But right now, according to 538, you know, that's what I use. And all, you know, there are a bunch of stuff you can use out there, the ESPN playoff simulator. But 538 has a bunch of odds. Baltimore right now has about a 29% chance to win the AFC North. Cincinnati's up there at 71. You know, they have a 4% shot to win the Super Bowl right now. And, you know, they have a bunch. You can do playoff simulator so you can check, you know, the Ravens beat the Steelers and they beat the Bengals and the odds go up for them where even if you just take everything out and you just say, hey, the Ravens beat the Steelers and beat the Bengals, they go to a 7% chance to win the Super Bowl. So it's real-time stuff, which is really cool. But for Baltimore, the AFC is, I think, a very challenging conference this year, but it's wide open. Like, there are a bunch of teams, but I think anybody can beat anybody this year. Like, all seven teams who make it, I don't, I don't think anybody's safe. Obviously, right now, Bengals are on a pretty big tear. Chiefs are the Chiefs. I think it's still Kansas City's AFC, but they're not perfect. You know, they're, they're not perfect whatsoever. So there is an opportunity for the Ravens here, especially if they're able to find their offensive stride. If they can get their offense clicking, I think it bodes well for their final two weeks. Absolutely. The Bengals, unfortunately for them, just lost Lyle Collins, their stud right tackle for the season, torn ACL and torn MCL. So prayers up to him. Hope he gets better. You, you never want to see injuries ever in the NFL, obviously, but it is the nature of the game, unfortunately. So teams are banged up right now. And it, it comes down to that sometimes where who's healthier than somebody else. The Ravens obviously were decimated last year and, and it really impacted their record. So, you know, who, which stars are out, who's playing, who's not, but the guys that are on the field, just because, you know, maybe they're not your typical star players. That doesn't mean they're not going to go out there, put their heart on the field and do everything they can. So you cannot underestimate anybody. You know, the Steelers go out there on Saturday night and they go and absolutely decimate a Raiders team. Well, not that it was 13 to 10, but, you know, three interceptions on Derek Carr. So they pick up a big win there and they moves them to seven and eight. Baltimore is actually going to have a chance to give Mike Tomlin his first losing season as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff, because right now they are seven and eight Baltimore wins week 17. They get them to seven and nine. Obviously the best they can finish there is eight and nine. So how sweet it would be for the Ravens to go out there and give Mike Tomlin his first losing season as a member of that Pittsburgh Steelers organization. So there there's a, a lot riding on the game regardless. And it was flexed, you know, breaking news. It was flexed to Sunday night football, eight 20, so the Ravens and Steelers, it's their first primetime game together in quite a bit. Obviously, they were looking to have that Thanksgiving matchup a couple of years ago, but obviously stuff happened and they had to reschedule that like 85 million times. So for the Ravens, it's big though. It's, it's nice to have that game. I would also think that I would think that the Ravens and Bengals game, if it comes down to you know a division winner, I feel like that would also have to be flexed. Like I feel like that's what I would want. I want it to be flexed. So Maybe the Ravens get two straight primetime games. Who knows? I think I think it's good for the world. I know it, it kind of messes up some schedules, but I still think that for Baltimore, they should be in primetime against the Steelers, and I would hope they would be in primetime against the Bengals in Week 18 because that's, that's, what, that's what it comes down to. That's what we've been talking about for the last month or so on this show where it just feels like everything's coming down to Week 18. And the, the scenarios point to it. So Baltimore in a good spot at 10 and five, they are in the playoffs. So no one has to worry about that anymore. If they that that crazy one scenario where they lose out and then like five teams went out and they, they don't get in Baltimore's in 
they're good. But now it's, you know, go hunt for the division. Go hunt for that potential three, or maybe you can move up if something crazy happens. But I do think that for the Ravens, they have a lot riding on Week 18. That's where I'm looking. So if you couldn't tell, Week 18 is big. But that's all I have for you here today on Lockdown Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be diving into more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.